1: Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Today we're going to talk about liberalism is a mental disorder and how it relates to today's news. But first, I want to have you listen to an interview I did with Alex Marlowe the editor-in-chief of breitbart news about his great new book breaking the news exposing the establishment media's hidden deals and secret corruption so alex thanks for being with us on the savage nation podcast it's an honor by the way in that you are the editor-in-chief of breitbart news network since 2013 when you were only 27 years old and you are a very significant media figure and the fact is is that your book breaking the news exposing the establishment media's hidden deals and secret corruption comes at a very important time in american history in that what biden is doing and we know he's not doing it because the people around him the circle the circles i've been reading this little book mao's little red book i've been reading it for a podcast i'm going to do next week on mao's little red book how far has communism come in america and i was shocked to find this yesterday that it ties into your book that They said there's a two-pronged approach to taking over government. One is the Democratic side, the next is the Socialist side. And I said, holy God, that's Bernie Sanders and occasional cortex. They label themselves Democrat, Socialist. We weren't fooled. We knew what it was. But they won the middle with that garbage. So your book exposes people like the uh, former mayor of New York. That's what shocked me the most when this first came out, your book. His deals with China. All these guys with these PR agencies... uh, the guy from Microsoft, the sweater, I never went for the act. I knew there was something behind that sweater. You know, of all of them. They, oh, they get these agencies. They say, oh, Warren Buffett drives the old Buick, <laughs> you know. So right. Bloomberg was the smiley little nice guy from New York. But well, he was doing what kind of deals with China. What do you what do you talk about that in your book?
2: So uh, one thing, and Dr. Savage, it's such an honor to be with you, by the way. As you know, we've been friends for a long time, and I've been such an admirer of your books, of which I've I've read so many. Um, And so it's such a thrill to talk to you about my first one. Um, But one of the most significant things I uncovered in a year-long investigation into corporate media was the extent to which American media is willing to do deals with China, to print Chinese propaganda, to cooperate with China, and it's not just the biggest names in journalism but one of the biggest names in journalism worldwide is Michael Bloomberg and some of you guys in the audience probably don't read Bloomberg a lot cuz even though they have a TV network and they have a, a news wire uh, but in terms of financial journalism a uh, Bloomberg is the biggest purveyor of news in the world. The Bloomberg's market cap is so much bigger than Fox, so much bigger than CNN. They employ more journalists than uh, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and CNN combined. And they have this massive access to the Chinese market. Now, they want to preserve that. And I started to look into it and I came across these images, apparently of these joyful meetings that took place between Bloomberg executives in the literal ministers of propaganda in China. And I dug in even further, and this, this group called the SCIO, which is part of the executive branch in China, it's otherwise known as their propaganda ministry. They're in charge of the licensure. They're in charge of Bloomberg's ability to operate within China. And periodically, it seems like about once a year or so, a top Bloomberg executive, sometime Bloomberg himself, goes over there. And they discuss all manner of things, according to Beijing, in particular, cooperation between America and Chinese media, presenting China to the United States and the West and presenting Chinese stories to the United States and the West. These are the themes of the meetings. And it, it struck me as shocking that all of American media was uncurious about this, one of the biggest newsmen on Earth. But he funds so many things, Michael. He funds the establishment press he funds the democratic party and he employs so many journalists that's why dr savage he he's not going to get investigated because all these people are his potential subjects
1: so let's go back to the title of your book please breaking the news exposing the establishment media's hidden deals and secret corruption of all the hidden deals that you have found which would be the most obnoxious frightening seditious would you say bloomberg's at the top of the list or is this one of many
2: one of many absolutely Uh, this was the one that struck me the most because of how evil china is and how uh uh, uh, how people underestimate how powerful bloomberg is you think of him as mini mike we all make fun of him because he's short um and he's got this never
1: underestimate short guys I'm one uh, of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
2: it, I, history has taught us that, hasn't it? And then we still make this mistake over and over again. Um, but so that's very high on the list. But uh, equally high to me is I believe I've identified and unmasked a person who is a Soros-esque individual, one of the most powerful people in American life, a true oligarch and still not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's a woman named Lorreen Powell Jobs, and she is branded online and, and in the media as a philanthropist and as a woman in tech. Well, she's not really a woman in tech. She inherited Steve Jobs' money because she was married to Steve Jobs, ah. uh, and then he passed away. And so she's worth somewhere between 15 and 20 billion, according to reports online. And yet, for some reason, she's invested heavily in the media. Now, why would a person worth that much money want to invest in media outlets that might make a couple million dollar profit a year if they're lucky and are probably losing money? Obviously, it's an influence play. So I start peeling back the onion and I realize she's got this thing set up called the Emerson Collective which is uh, a hybrid philanthropic and investment organization. If that sounds tricky to you, it's because it is. That's the whole point. And mm-hmm. it allows her to kind of shield where the money's going. But if you look into it, she owns the Atlantic, which is a prestigious glossy magazine. Oh, She's she the does. biggest shareholder. Yeah, she's the biggest shareholder of Axios, which is a Oh my god. Uh, right a beltway centric uh uh political blog but then she also owns activist media she owns mother jones and pro publica or at least whoa, she whoa. Funds mother she yeah.
1: owns mother jones the, the magazine that or, did a hit piece on me
2: i and and many many of of our ilk dr savage has been going after this is the activist arm of the left and so she's a big um a funder of them and a funder of pro publica which is similar stuff oh but boy. Then, but then it gets even more radical. She funds this thing called acronym and acronym owns the Courier Newsroom. And the Courier Newsroom is something that literally is a fake news operation. It launders fake stories, Democrat propaganda into local news. Even establishment media has expressed outrage uh, uh, over the Courier Newsroom. And Lorene Powell Jobs funds it all. She's also very tight with Kamala Harris. They're said to be close personal friends. Bingo. And she's hundreds of donations to democrats this is a shadowy network by an individual who's very cleverly masked herself while she plays puppet master with the american public she is a true oligarch and it yet most of this is legal because no
1: one has figured out that she's doing this well i don't want to make this personal about me but i must say i just received an email this morning firing me by the biden administration from the presidio trust which is unprecedented and i said wait a minute this is an orchestrated campaign they did a hit piece on me in mother jones it came out of nowhere and now this so this is all set up and who were the power players in the bay area kamala harris nancy pelosi uh who wanted me off the board of the presidio trust so they're purging trump appointees across the board in an unprecedented manner they're controlling the press Alex, you and I would agree that everything they said about Trump that was false is true about them.
2: Oh, 100%. It's pure Orwell. They always project onto Trump their worst sins. And as a longtime listener of your broadcast, I know how important it was for you to be in that trust. I know how meaningful it was for you. So it's heartbreaking that this is happening. Um, and it, it is a, I, it's not a coincidence that Mother Jones puts out a hit piece and then you get taken off. Um, one thing that's very interesting about Lorraine Powell Jobs is that I went through and part of the book is, I have the fake news hall of shame where I try to go through what I think are the worst examples of of, of fake news during the Trump era. And I honestly think a contender for the fakest of the fake was that story about how uh, Trump had called dead soldiers suckers and losers. Remember and that? Go, they made it up? T- totally false, 100% bogus story, and The Atlantic put it out. That's Lorene Powell Jobs' publication. And they timed it at a specific time where it interrupted a rare good news cycle for Trump. You might recall, he didn't have many good ones last year, uh, but it was in the middle of a hot news moment for Trump. This story comes out, there's already a Democrat ad cut around the story, it's on Morning Joe the next day, NBC's ready to rock on it, and you see this synergy in messaging that is just too coincidental. It is not coincidental. This is all calculated. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And when you're perceiving a connection between you getting thrown off the trust and a hit piece
1: coming out on you, that is not a coincidence. There's no way. Mm, no, and I don't want to make it about me, but I've spent over 40 years working on environmental issues. The Presidio lands, 1,200 acres, are a public trust that must be cared for by ardent conservationists and preservationists, not by the political hacks of the type Biden is going to install to satisfy the needs of the local Politburo. But I'm just one of many who are being purged right now by the Bidens. And you say, well, they all do it. Trump Trump did not, so far as we know, take anyone off this board. There were Obama appointees. He let them finish out their terms. Sure. So. This is this is pretty bad, and so you talked about the Chinese government, elite American media such as Bloomberg. You talked about the tricks the media is using to control the narrative, meaning they own so many outlets and they put out false stories. Let's go into the coronavirus. How did the media make the coronavirus God's gift to the left?
2: Uh, I think what had happened is originally when the narrative around the coronavirus uh, was that it came from China. Uh, the the left wanted to downplay it, and you know, right. at Breitbart we did our first story on the coronavirus in the first week of of January of last year I about mis pneumonia. And, and 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 I know you you've always been on top of the of, of no. Al, this
1: is amazing. Trump Trump called me that February or January, and he he said to me right on the phone. He said, "I banned all travel from China," and he yeah. said, "I'm thinking of banning travel from Europe." What do you think? You know, m- Donald Trump asks people questions to see their opinions, and then makes his own mind up,, so, right. but he knew I mean the China virus it, it is a China virus. remember when you were I was a kid, there was a thing called the Asian flu, then all of a sudden, origins no longer mattered when origins very much matter to an epidemiologist. You need to know the source of the infectious agent in order to, to stop it spread so of course, origins matter, but all of a sudden, do you remember what the um, the governor? of New York said that it was not really from China. It was from Italy. Do you remember? The
2: virus came from Europe. It came from Europe. No, I remember. It was unbelievable. It was I'm so making great. a
1: meatball here like my grandmother. I'm making a <laughs> meatball stew like my grandmother. And the virus came from uh, Europe. Governor, I used to call him Governor Meatball. What is he thinking? So he he didn't want it to be from China either. Why did Governor Cuomo try to throw mud on that story? Why, why was he blocking the truth of that coronavirus source.
2: Well, so this is a a huge theme of the book that is woven through virtually all the chapters, is so much of the corporate media is dependent on the Chinese business model. And I I lay out that it's no longer simple enough to call it liberal bias. Uh, This is about weaponized corporate media. And if you think about NBC, for example, NBC is not just NBC. It's NBC, Comcast, Universal. Uh, ABC is connected to Disney. Disney. Disney's got... No theme parks throughout China. Bloomberg's doing massive business in China. Even News Corp does business in China. And so all of these giant corporations have vested interests in hoping it's not the China virus. No one wants it to be the China virus, aside maybe, Dr. Savage, from folks like me and you and others on the conservative media who've been warning that China are bad actors and they don't have an open press. And they could potentially pull something off like this. And so that was, go ahead.
1: No, no, I, 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 I want to be clear. I don't want to make China the bad guy, but in this case, they are the bad guy. I am not sure. suggesting in any way that China created this virus and spread it out throughout the world. I, I, I totally reject that. My theory from the beginning has been they, they were working on this in a biowarfare lab and it escaped. And I, so I said to somebody, well, wait a minute, they, they infect, infected their own people. So why would they do that? Someone said they have more people to waste than we do. I mean, you could fit any conspiracy theory to the facts if you want.
2: Is certainly, and, and, I'm, and I'm with you and I'm totally agnostic on where it came from <laughs> um, ter- in, in terms of, you know, the lab or the wet market or the, all, all of that is, unfortunately, we can't trust much of the reporting and much of what's being discussed on it, but I'm not trying to come up with some conspiracy by any means, Um, but I do know that I've got a lot of people in science in, in my family and the narrative about the virus uh, about uh, how it was spreading, where it was spreading, um, and the, it changed so rapidly in our media and none of it matched up with the science that people were telling me, uh, you know, in my, in my personal life, the scientists in my life. And I am very careful in the, in the book not to speak overly scientifically because I'm not a scientist and I don't want people, I don't want to do what the establishment media has done is now all of a sudden everyone acts like they're a scientist overnight. Uh, but I have <laughs> pointed out inconsistencies with the CDC's messaging, with Fauci's messaging, oh. with the administration's messaging and uh, they have misled us clearly to set an agenda that this was all trump's fault all of this was well, trump's right. fault.
1: That, that the whole thing was to destroy him and of course they did they did a very good job some say they stole the election but first they stole his dignity they stole his honor they stole his name they stole his achievements in a classic communist fashion we need to take a quick break we'll be right back with more from alex marlowe
0: That's shopify.com slash system.
1: We're back on the Michael Savage podcast with Breitbart's editor-in-chief, Alex Marlowe. And his new book is Breaking the News, exposing the establishment media's hidden deals and secret corruption. It's a very important story. It's not just a book. It is the, how shall I put it, almost... The seminal issue of our time, which is the propaganda ministry that has been going on now and now has control of all of the levers of information, which leads us right to the massive purge of conservatives from the Internet in January of 2021. And I'd like to know and my listeners would love to know what you know about the behind the scenes story about Twitter, Google, Facebook and the so-called masters of the universe. I know that Trump had them in the White House And he had a chance to break up those monopolies and he did not do it. My theory at the time was they struck a deal with him and they said they'll be they'll go easy on him if he isn't. I mean, that's my theory. I don't have any reason to believe that I'm using pure guesswork here. He could have broken them up. He should have. They're clear monopolies. We have an antitrust division of the uh, Justice Department that has never been activated against them and should have. That's what it was created for. If anything defines a monopoly, it's them. So who are these people and why are they purging conservatives? Why do they do they think we are more likely to want them broken up than the left?
2: Yeah, sa- sadly Dr. Savage a- as a news person for me I'm always most excited about what's new and looking forward Uh, but in this chapter the masters of the universe i i i had to look backwards and i looked at how we could have all seen january 6 coming not the not the um you know the unrest at the Capitol, but the purge of of conservatives from social media Uh. once trump's power was at its lowest Hmm. they wiped so many of us out and they waited for this specific moment and they used a shock and awe approach to overwhelm us all and we all could have seen it coming and some of us did. And at Breitbart, we've been beating this drum for a very long time that these people are far left, they're globalist, they don't care about America, they're unelected, most of them are totally anonymous and they have more power than any entity on the planet other than the American government and maybe the Chinese government. And that's it, Silicon Valley is the, at at worst, the third most powerful town on planet Earth behind Washington and Beijing. And they are, we don't know who these people are, but I'll tell you, we know one thing, they're of one party, and that party's a Democrat party, and they're willing to do whatever they can to destroy people who back Trump. And sadly, I don't know if it was some of the senior advisors in the White House, or if Trump just got this one wrong, but he did not do much, nor did other Republicans, yeah. To uh, curtail their power, and no, maybe worried about yeah, maybe they're worried about the stock market. I don't know what it was, uh, but it was it was unfortunately a big mistake.
1: No, it was a huge mistake, as we can see now. And these big tech now run the world. They're more powerful than most governments. They're more influenced than most governments, and uh, it's dangerous to put so much power in the hands of so few. And of course, they're all on the left. And, and we can talk about that all we want. It's not going to change anything. Have you at Breitbart been shadow banned at Twitter or completely banned?
2: Yeah, this is one thing that we are uh, we, we have had to be very nimble and very clever because they've been trying to ban us for a very long time. Oh. And. Facebook literally is hate agents list and uh, Twitter's their first banning ever was a guy named Milo Yiannopoulos, who was uh, a Breitbart editor at the time. So we've been going through this and we've adjusted some of the way we've had to operate in order to make sure that we can maximize our audience, which is which is horrible. That we should be able to be free to behave how we want to behave on these platforms. We have the First Amendment rights. Um, But they would tell you that the First Amendment doesn't apply to to businesses, I guess, Uh, which I don't know if that was the spirit of what the founders intended. But maybe that's maybe that's for another day. Uh, But at Breitbart, absolutely. I lost probably about 40 percent of my Twitter followers after January Uh. 6th. Know that on uh, Facebook, we're constantly nickel and dimed with these specious fact checks where we have to waste tons of energy and resources fighting on behalf of true stories. Meanwhile, they let all sorts of falsehoods live online from establishment outlets like CNN uh, and elsewhere. Google suppresses Breitbart to a degree that I cannot imagine how this is legal. Uh, we're Breit- <laughs> Breitbart traffic, Dr. Savage, to, to stories on Joe Biden. Went to literally zero on May the fifth no. of last year, right in the heat of the election. Amazing. They just turned the dial to zero traffic. Unless you use the word Breitbart, you will never get a Joe Biden story. Uh, I'm sorry, you will never get a Breitbart story on Joe Biden if you use Google. Uh, do we think that's a coincidence that all of a sudden? No, no of course not. This well, is on, on
1: Twitter. I lost. Um, you, you said 30%. thirty percent. I lost. I'm looking. I'm lo- looking right now. I lost. No, 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 I lost about fifteen to twenty percent of my. Um, Following on on Twitter and on Facebook, about fifty percent
2: and and this is a de facto purge because for me, I'm a reluctant tweeter. I don't like Twitter, uh, but I will use it because I know that some of my audience is there, and I don't want to abandon them. I want to give them content if they want it. Uh, but so I'm very reluctant. It's funny because I have my uh, my my right hand in the room who helps me with Twitter and is encouraging me to tweet all the time, and I always <laughs> hate it, and then I build up this following. And then they just take it from me. And that just makes me think I'm never going to tweet again. And that's discouraging me from using the platform and making it only a platform for left wingers, angry left wingers who hate Trump.
1: Well, I didn't use Twitter. I was on it for years and paid zero attention. I had other people who put up my links to my web stuff and I paid no attention. Then when Trump stuff I said it's for children, nine years old, 12 years old, it's garbage. There's no okay. intellect. You see people who are stupid. Then I saw Trump was setting policy on Twitter. Sure. Other world leaders are setting policy on Twitter. I said, you can't ignore the power of Twitter. So I started tweeting like a madman. And then, um, you know, the following is still there. But as I said, a certain percentage are immediately gone on that day. And I was wondering what the hell happened. You know, so there it is. That's what happened. They just simply block you and throw you out. Now, in your opinion, which fake news stories belong in the Fake News Hall of Fame?
2: So I, I have a few, and th- none of them will be a surprise to this audience, but I still think that if you do pick up the book, you'll really enjoy but still be exasperated, and you want to throw your coffee cup if you read through them. Um, but I go through the Kavanaugh hoax, the Russia collusion hoax, oh. um, the the uh, Ju- Juicy Sommelier, Jussie Smollett, oh uh, fake crime. And, and that one I have a little addendum. I go through uh, a chapter I've called A Very Fake News." And I go through some of the examples of fake news hysterias that have taken place in the country over the last year.
1: You said fake news, N O O S E. Fake news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
2: it's a play on fake news because there's so many of these of these fake hate crimes where we're told there was a noose and it never turns out to be a news. And by never, I mean almost never. I mean the vast
1: majority. Well, of what it about is- this uh, stop Asian yeah. hate? We all know there's an epidemic yeah. of Asian people being beaten up in the streets, stabbed, knife, kicked. We see it all over the the video. You can scream and and say, stop it. You want to reach in and stop the person. They're picking on elderly Asian people. And they make it sound like it's the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists, white people, military heroes. We know who's doing it. It's, quote, teens or homeless people. And they are largely African-American. And they won't ever report that.
2: And and, and this is the thing is that now we're at this place where I'm at an outlet like Breitbart. Uh, where I have to anything that has to deal with race, even sort of straight wire copy, right. I, I have to have a extra level of scrutiny on it because oh. I know any word just a little bit out of place, and we're going to get canceled by the by the, the the tech oligarchs and by the rest of the media. And it actually prevents the public from getting accurate information about what's going on. And this is not a benefit to the dialogue. And not to mention, Dr. Savage, is the we've reported for so long how the Ivy League, for example, has tried to discriminate against Asians uh, and how they're trying to change some of the rules to increase, quote unquote, diversity, which penalizes Asian people. And we've reported this for years at Breitbart. And the establishment media has been totally uninterested. How come that's not Asian? I saw this okay. at
1: UC Berkeley, my alma mater, my doctorate was there. Now, look, I remember it was becoming largely Chinese kids. So, and I would say, great, they got in because they're smart. They study hard and they work. I wouldn't care if it's 100% Asian. That's what I said. I said that 15 years ago. I said, you can call it UC Hong Kong for all I care, as long as you got the brightest kids in there. And they got in based on their studies. I, that's the way it is. I heard the same thing about the Jews in New York in the 50s. There are too many Jews in, at Queens College. Well, they worked their asses off studied hard they came from families that that respected the written word the chinese are the same so all of a sudden because there were too many asians getting into the ivy league schools uh, they started to want to keep asians out and let in minorities who could not keep up with them which is to the detriment of the entire nation
2: of course it is. And this is, and I've had the same experience. I went to Berkeley as well for my undergrad. And uh, I went to an advanced school, a public school, but it had an advanced program in the Los Angeles area for middle school. And it was mostly, or at least it felt like it was mostly uh, Asians in the program. And they weren't there because of some sort of systemic racism. <laughs> they were there because they worked hard. And when they came home, they played the piano and the violin. And
1: they didn't waste it. <laughs> That's the true. There's and such a... They were the future. So, Alex, you host the, the radio show Breitbart News Daily on Sirius XM's Patriot Channel, 125. But mainly I want people to buy the book, Breaking the News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption. Since I myself don't have a current book out there, I suggest you go out immediately and look for, <laughs> for Mr. Marlowe's book, Breaking the News. It's not just because he's a friend and a friend of the truth, but because you need this book to know what is going on and you say well what can i do about it what's the good about knowing about it because let me tell you something truth is power knowledge is power and without it we have nothing and i want to thank you for writing breaking the news and for being with us on the savage nation podcast any closing words for the savage audience
2: I just don't give up. And I think that you're so correct on this, Dr. Savage. I'm I'm very, I'm a cup half full guy in this nation. It feels like a dark moment in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But I do think the arguments are on our side. And so long as we have a First Amendment, and most importantly, we have independent voices like your voice and like our, our voice at Breitbart that are not filtered through some sort of uh, a corporate corporation all the time. That's what's going to save us. And so long as those voices are out there, I've got hope for this nation. And hopefully there's some there's a blueprint
1: in there for where we can go in the book. When I pick up quotations from Chairman Mao, and I see this again, which I have to read, that the Communist Party embraces the two stages of the revolution, the democratic and the socialist revolutions. The democratic revolution, says Mao Tse Tung, the mass murderer, is the necessary preparation for the socialist revolution. The ultimate aim for which all communists strives is to bring about a socialist and communist society. It's chilling to think that Bernie Sanders came along and relabeled himself from the communist he always was into a Democrat socialist, came up with a fake moniker, and it's sold like crazy to the naive oh. and gullible because liberalism is a mental disorder and books like yours are the antidote. Alex hey. Marlowe, thanks yeah. for your book, Breaking the News. Thank you for being with us on the program today.
2: Always a pleasure, and um, I would love to come back whenever you like me.
1: All right, good luck with your book. I hope it hits the top. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Hey, welcome to the Savage Nation podcast, the Michael Savage podcast. Whichever way you want to look at it, liberalism is a mental disorder. Now, this started out as a phrase that I created many years ago. Say, oh, I heard that, I did it, I did it, I did it, he did it, he did it. it. No, you didn't do it, I did it. 2005, copyright by Michael Savage. Published as a book dedicated to the American soldier. Liberalism is a mental disorder. Now, let me back up for a minute. We all know liberalism is a mental disorder. Just look at the so-called woke, which is really asleep people who are stupid, unlearned, stupid people who can't keep up with those of us who are educated And highly, highly cognizant of what's going on in the country. Read any headline. Tell me it's not a mental disorder. Here's a headline. Teens attacking, robbing 80-year-old Asian man in California. It can break your heart. It's distressing to look at. They won't say who's doing it. They won't say what ethnic group is doing it. They want you to believe that all these attacks on Asians are coming from white supremacists. And the word teen, what does the word teen mean? We all know what it means. Two teens whom police described as young as 16 attacking the Asian senior who was knocked to the ground while yelling for help. Meanwhile, someone who was presumed to be in a getaway car is heard giggling during the brazen attack. So it's girl, teens. Why are they doing this? Because they know that the police have been disarmed and de by these psychotic liberals who have mental disorders. Defund the police and you don't know what's going to happen? So let's go back to my book, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. Some of it is dated, and um, it's not worth discussing, such as Iraq's future. Of course, I wasn't wrong when I said Iraq cannot become a melting pot as long as it insists on a national religion, especially when that religion is Islam, which has zero tolerance for those with non-conforming views. That is still true. And then I write, rousing the sleeping giant, the 9-11 attack on America by the Islamo-Fascists may eventually be seen as the turning point where America breaks free of the chains of socialist oppression. God, had that only been the truth... Now we're being oppressed by the radical left, and the so called woke are really the most asleep fascists there are. The ACLU, the head of the snake, is the American Civil Liberties Union, which fashions itself as the de facto fourth branch of government, run by psychotic, perverted leftists. The doctor is in, and the diagnosis is clear. Liberalism is a mental disorder. Now find out what you can do to treat it. The answer is it may be terminal, it may not be treatable. What else did I write? Well, I'll read some of these things from the book and you decide for yourself whether liberalism is a mental disorder. Illegal immigration. This is in 2005. I envision an oil for illegals program. The president should demand one barrel of oil from Mexico for every illegal alien that sneaks into our country. Didn't happen. Lawsuit abuse. Passed tort reform now. Good luck with lawyers running the country. Public ignorance about the threat of fascism. Really, given the failed state of our public education, I imagine you might not know the difference between Mussolini, Tortellini, or Linguini. Let's go on and let's look at the book itself. How did I open this book, Liberalism as a Mental Disorder? Here's the opening few lines. The conservative movement is dead. I take no pleasure in making that observation. Most of the red state politicians fail to comprehend that the American people are behind them and that the people want them to push through Congress a real conservative agenda. I wish that these empty suits and skirts would provide the leadership necessary to defend America from those who would do her harm instead of taking the side of the enemy. Well, we had Trump, who was a centrist, slight to the right, but really a centrist. And I ask, can you think of one speech wherein the Republican leadership has expressed a desire to protect our borders, our language, our culture? Without those three fundamental pillars of society, no nation can survive except for a few minor utterances about cultural issues with little or no follow-up there has been scant support for these conservative principles or values but what is language culture again created by yours truly and so we go on into the book liberalism as a mental disorder where we evaluate today whether it's worse and whether it can be cured i go back to uh, some of the bubbles that i put into the book and i'll read some of the bubbles these euro socialists and their american counterparts see a terrible beauty terrible beauty struggling to be born, a beauty that would like to sweep away our dying civilization and bring us into an unbrave new world. Next, when the internationalists attack Christian fundamentalism, let us not forget they're also attacking Judaism. Do the liberal Jews know that? I doubt it. This book has been designed to pour a caustic solution on the edifices of liberalism. I did it for a while. The acid did melt down some of the caustic Solution did melt down some of the liberalism, but it, it just didn't work. Here's another one. As they are pulled farther in by the fringe soothsayers and the Pied Pipers of the Democrat Party, they become gulled into believing in the lessening or dissolution of America's sovereignty and in embracing an allegiance to European, i.e., socialist, concepts. Was I wrong? You decide whether I was wrong or right. While the throat cutters and dirty nightshirts beheaded Americans, the clipped hair czarinas of lower learning at a California middle school required students to pretend they were Muslims is that still true or false any nation who refuses to control her borders is not just suffering from a mental disorder they're tiptoeing at the ledge of a skyscraper shall I go on chapter one more patent less patent leather how exactly does an Abrams tank tread lightly I ask patent I quote when I said no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Can you imagine a Patton in the military today? Biden is throwing out anyone in the military who loves America and wears a cross. You hear this? Well, I can go on and I will go on. and You decide whether things have gotten better or worse and whether liberalism really is a mental disorder. Patton also said the Nazis are the enemy. Wait into them spill their blood shoot them in the belly when you put your hand into a bunch of god uh, a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face you'll know what to do general patton what a great man what do we have now we have general goo what did patton's army do when they caught a nazi werewolf they shot him that's what can you imagine if they did that today well they did and they tried the american troops who did it hmm. how do you like that is liberalism a mental disorder? Here's one that I wrote. Page 15. If your attention span were longer than a beer commercial, you'd know that Carter's decision means the world is suffering today as radical Islam sweeps across the globe from the epicenter of Iran. It's still true. Nothing has changed. If you believe that our newly liberated Shiite friends in Iraq would never stab America in the back, then you don't know human nature as well as Dr. Savage. Still true. A little more from liberalism is a mental disorder. I'll go on. Many of you don't know your Middle East history. The closest thing you've studied is Tolkien's Middle Earth. And that's a whole different story. As Patton once said, lead me, follow me, or get out of my way. A few other bubbles from liberalism is a mental disorder. It was a lot about radical Islam, because remember, it was 2005, where I write, radical Islam isn't a religion as much as it is a political movement with global aspirations. Their goal, to convert or kill you. Still true. Wake up and smell the dirty bombs. The throat slitters are clawing at the gate. Hmm. How do you like that? The problem is that you probably hate history. You don't know the difference between Genghis Khan and Chaka Khan. Every single major terrorist attack against the United States has been committed by radical Muslims. That is no longer true. There have been some domestic terrorist attacks, most notably that of Antifa and Black Lives Matter for the last several years. Take a look at Portland. Those are terrorist attacks against the city. And the weakling Quislings running the states like Oregon, the cities like Portland, let these left-wing terrorists run at will and take over portions of their city. Like a hot lava flow, this insidious death culture has oozed across the globe, consuming one city, one community, one region at a time. Think of your freedom of religion. Think of your freedom of speech. Think of your freedom of the written word. Think of your freedom of period. Now release them. You see, Islam is about submission and control, not freedom. Let me pause right there. There's a story you have to see on the Savage Nation website, michaelsavage.com, about a brave pastor in Calgary, Canada, who kept his church open during the COVID scare. They arrested him and dragged him through the street. Now, that's bad enough. But at the same time, they're dragging this pastor through the streets because he came from communist Poland and he knew what fascism is when he saw it. They let the mosques hold their services while closing churches. Did you know that the mayor of the city that did this to the Canadian pastor is a Muslim? You didn't know that, huh? Hmm. wow. Here's a fresh one, 78 priests massacred in Ethiopia by Muslims. So if you think that the threat of Islam of fascism is over, you're really ignorant. Where's the outcry from the peace-loving moderate mullahs when fellow Muslims murdered children in cold blood, I asked, in unmasking Islam of fascism? We'll go on past Islam to something else that was troubling us at the time, which was the alien invasion, which was Chapter 3 of Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. Alien invasion. I talked about a judge. I said, Judge Lee Rosenthal obviously has her head up a robe. Read the story. There are between 15 and 20 million illegal aliens already living in the United States. Did you notice they keep using the same number of 11 million for the last 30 years? It's more like 50 or 60 million right now. But the flood of biblical proportions is being aided and abetted by the corrupt Biden gang that is literally flying them in and taking them to parts of the country in brand new clothing with new haircuts. It goes on. Why do we look the other way when we know that nearly three-quarters of the cocaine and half of the heroin consumed in in America enters across the U.S.-Mexican border? Could that be why the politicians open the borders? Oh, come on now. What else did I write about? What else did I write? Treating uninsured illegal aliens costs about $2.2 billion a year. Raise that number to about $2 trillion a year. It's all part of the No Illegal Alien Left Behind program, I wrote. Was I right or was I wrong? Huh? Did you know that Mohammed Atta, one of the 9-11 masterminds, was stopped by a policeman but wasn't detained because he possessed and displayed a valid license, even though he was essentially an illegal alien with an expired visa? Well, since that time, or since the time of that writing, 2005, cities are now giving out licenses to illegal aliens, many of them from the Middle East. Here's what I wrote in liberalism as a mental disorder, again, you'll be the judge. If you were the leader of an impoverished Central or South American country and you knew you could export your biggest social problem, poverty, to Santa in the North, wouldn't you do it? That's what's going on now from Honduras. They're exporting their biggest social problem, poverty. And you, the moron, is paying for it. That would be like calling a burglar who crawled through a window into your house an undocumented house guest. Hmm. How do you like that? And there are other things in the book that are worthy of quotation. I conclude the chapter on the alien invasion with this. Defending our borders is the only way to defend the sovereignty of America. This is the seminal issue of our time, I wrote. Mark my words, either we get control of our border or America disappears into the melting pot of the new world order, amalgamated as one more socialist entity answering to the United Nations. It's chilling for me to read that. Because with Trump, at least we had a bit of a turn back, a bit of a control over the borders. Under Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and that gang, I'm sorry, we've lost our sovereignty. We have dissolved as a nation. In traders versus traders, I wrote, using predatory litigation and oppressive regulation, these traders assail the businesses that make our country strong, that fuel our economy, that pave a highway to the future with dreams of a better day. I wrote this, when I first voted for George W. Bush, I didn't think I was getting Bill Clinton light. I got worse. Name one business that can survive if we give away our markets to foreign interests. Trump tried to reverse that. Look what they did to Trump. I wrote, President Bush is so determined to hand Mexican workers the keys to the country, he's willing to gamble with our national security. That's terrible. This is the Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Now here's something on the other side of the coin that you don't know about me. I'm an environmental protectionist, a conservationist, unlike most on the right who don't know that the animals are our best friends and that they are the bellwether of our own survival. Here's what I wrote. Too many Republicans have bought the party line hook, line, and sinker that all environmentalists are whack jobs. That's coming from the shysters who are lawyers who became talk show hosts, who think that all environmentalists are whack jobs. Without environmentalists, we'd have no clean water, no clean air, and no clean land. It would all be paved over. And then I write about PETA. I said, this is a classic case of animal farm with a twist, two fins good, two legs bad. Now here's one that I don't think is controversial, but here it is. Globalists paint us red. You've got the EEOC, the FDA, the SEC, the FCC, the USDA, the CPSC, the DOE, the NHTSA, the EPA, and that's just for starters. I talk about lawyers ruining America that bilks $200 billion a year for American businesses by goring them with exorbitant judgments. Nothing happened about trial lawyers. I said trial lawyers flock to class action and mass tort suits like maggots on roadkill. Nobody has reined in the tort lawyers. Every time some loser is handed a multi-million dollar award for spilling hot McDonald's coffee on their lap, the price of an egg McMuffin goes up. Right or wrong. And I go on to other subjects in liberalism is a mental disorder. Lawyers are like red wine, everything in moderation. Today we have far too many lawyers and we're suffering from cirrhosis of the economy. That's a good one. I then talk about Arafat, Clinton and Kinsey. It's a little dated, but you know what? It still applies about the moral and spiritual and economic poverty of liberalism. And I won't read anything from that chapter. Another chapter is the head of the snake, the ACLU. You see the left has placed freedom-loving, God-fearing people in a straitjacket, I wrote. Sound familiar to you? Are you afraid to say one word before you're called fascist or racist? Well, there's more in this, given the failed state of our public education. I imagine you you might not know the difference between Mussolini, Tortellini, or Linguini. Still true, isn't it? These first spring SUV-burning, lumberjack-injuring extremists constantly break the laws of civil society because they believe, A, only their cause is just, and B, whatever methods they want to use, including destruction and intimidation and murder, are justified. That now applies to Antifa and BLM. You see how it's become the Fourth Reich from the fascist left? Hmm. Using American courts, these hard-left groups agitate via judicial activism, overturning law and the popular will of the people. Was I wrong or right? I believe it's time for the heads of left-wing agitation groups who are using the courts to impose their will on the sheeple to be prosecuted under the federal RICO statutes. Good luck when they're now running the Biden White House. I wrote this. We long for a true leader today who would annihilate these retro Hitlers in headhoods before they rake a sword across our throats. Here's one about John Kerry. If the Kerry liberals from Beacon Hill had won, do you think we'd be hearing all of this talk about unifying the country from them? How do you like that? Wow, was that ahead of its time. The kids today can dance all night with a pacifier in their mouth, stoned out on ecstasy, and never worry about whether or not they'll be drafted in the morning. You like that one? Hmm. What else is in liberalism as a mental disorder? Well, there's plenty in here. Whether you know it or not, you are involved in the greatest social civil war in American history. We almost stopped it with Trump. We've now lost it under Biden and his gang. And if you don't believe me, you should listen to my latest podcast from last week before this one, which was so ahead of its time as frightening. What was it about? You must know by now what it is. Biden's demolition crew in the White House. Why don't you listen to the facts before you open your mouth? Whether you know it or not, you're involved in the greatest social civil war in American history and you are losing it. And I wrote this. Just as radical ethnic gangsters espouse civil rights as their goal does this does that sound familiar using members of their ethnic community as soldiers in their assault upon capitalism and Western civilization well do I need to go on because that is so true I can almost not repeat the sentence hmm this is the savage nation the savage nation podcast by Michael Savage let me conclude with a few additional bubble quotes from liberalism as a mental disorder which I published in 2005 Many on the Radlib left think that they can defecate on any corner of this country. They make no effort to suppress anything. And look what's happened with bums defecating in the streets. Hmm. Few other bubbles living in denial or Canada. I talked about a guy named Dowd. Maureen Dowd. Dowd's personal brand of intolerance is for all things conservative. Cloaked behind her plastic smile is a deep hatred of the red state values which George Bush represented. That I wrote. The media czars are rapidly losing ratings, subscribers, and credibility because of their irrational commitment to a failed ideological position in a nation that clings to its core conservative values. How do you like that? Will outsourcing our Constitution be Kennedy's next proposal? He was still living at the time. That may be Biden's next proposal. I conclude the book Liberalism and Mental Disorder with this. I would like to unlock the chains around the liberal mind. Whether you know it or not, as a liberal, you are a prisoner. For far too long, you have lived in a cage where liberal ideas and only liberal ideas are expressed. It's entirely possible that you never meet or listen to anybody outside of your small circle of liberal thinkers. And if there is a dissenting opinion raised, which is a very rare situation indeed in your cloistered environments, the person offering that opinion is laughed at as being an eccentric throwback to a more primitive time. They are now called racist or fascist. In the end, I wrote your tolerance of the intolerable is actually a reflection of your loss of clarity. Your tolerance of virtually everything and your anything goes attitude is not a mark of liberalism. It's a mark of the degeneration of your ability to judge anything. And of course, the only people you hate are those who support American values and those who support borders, language, and culture. This is the savage nation, and I tried my best with liberalism as a mental disorder, which is now being stolen widely as a statement, whether it be on podcasts or on Fox News, they never give me credit. But if you want to get a copy of the book, it's outdated in some ways. You can't even find it. It's just ahead of its time. This is the Savage Nation. I'll be back with a little bit more on Liberalism as a Mental Disorder right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. I don't know how to directly tie the lies about the Middle East to liberalism, but there is a direct tie. And we need to look at liberalism, the mental disorder. So let me begin by stating that I wrote a book, In 2005, entitled Liberalism as a Mental Disorder, now widely stolen uh, by various and sundry lowlifes in the media who pretend that they invented it or created the phrase. It's important that you understand why I need credit. I don't make any money from the credit, but I'm a fan of jazz. So when I listen to a jazz piece, and the great jazz artists of the 50s and 60s would say, this is derived from a song by... They gave credit to the tune because everyone knows the creativity is all. Go try tell that to the members of the cartel. But nevertheless, the most important thing for you to know is liberalism is a mental disorder. This may surprise you, but the most commonly stolen book at the San Francisco Public Library is not Obama's The Audacity of Hope. Nope. The books that most commonly go missing and are stolen at the San Francisco Public Library are written by me. The man who was first to endorse donald trump in the 2016 election and i'm reading from an article from amy graf of the sf gate and she is quoting library spokesperson kate patterson who wrote to her in an email the one author our head of collections has to check regularly and purchase new copies of our books by michael savage we check once a year to see if all the copies are gone and reorder we have moved to ebook and most of them so we can ensure copies are around <laughs> the main title that disappears quickly is Liberalism is a Mental Disorder released in 2005 Liberalism is a Mental Disorder was on a New York Times bestseller list for three weeks and quote attacks the insanities and inanities of extreme leftist thought unquote. The article goes on to say the SF Public Library hasn't tracked exactly how many of this particular title or all of Savage's books have been lost but quote, we have found that his political titles go missing more often. And so my friends, you see Even in liberal San Francisco, the truth matters. And I will go on to tell you more about the fact that the most commonly stolen book at the San Francisco Public Library is my own book, other books that I have written, most notably Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. Now, this ties to an article that came out in the Washington Free Beacon that shows that according to scientific studies, white liberals are more likely to have mental health problems. It's in the Free Beacon, and it says this. Majority of young white female libs have a diagnosed mental health condition, according to Pew Research. Now, Pew is a leftist organization, and here is what it says. White liberals are significantly more likely than other racial and ideological groups to be diagnosed with a mental health condition, according to science. Findings from a Pew Research Center survey published in March 2020 were the subject of a Twitter thread that inspired an Evie magazine article on the, quote, possible scientific correlation between progressive ideas and mental illness. (laughs) According to the survey, white liberals of all ages were more likely to have been diagnosed with a mental health condition compared with their moderate and conservative peers. This disparity was especially pronounced among young people aged 18 to 29, the most annoying demographic and the one with the worst opinions, generally speaking. They found that nearly half of young white liberals reported being diagnosed with a mental health condition. That was higher than the percentage of young white moderates, 26 percent. Young white conservatives, 21 percent reported a mental health diagnosis. Young white people, we learn, who identified as very liberal were considerably more likely to report mental health problems, even compared with their peers who identified as just liberal. Now, across all demographics, young white females who identified as liberal, you know them, they're on the front lines of the Black Lives Matter marches. Those young white females are very, very crazy. They're the most likely to report a mental health diagnosis. In fact, the majority of young white liberal women, that's 56%, said they had been diagnosed with a mental health condition compared with 28% of young moderate women and 27% of young conservative women. This disparity... Of ideology, was also present, although less pronounced, among young white men. Within this demographic, 34% of liberals reported having mental health problems, compared with 22% of moderates, 16% of conservatives. Zach Goldberg, the doctoral candidate who dissected the Pew data on Twitter, said the disparity could be a result of white liberals, quote, being more likely to seek mental health evaluations. Oh, really? It could also indicate a genuine difference in personality, he argued, given that white liberals are more likely to exhibit neuroticism, according to the data. I didn't write this thread to mock white liberals or their apparently disproportionate rates of mental illness. And you shouldn't either, Goldberg wrote. Quote, rather, this is a question that's underexplored and which may shed light on attitudinal differences towards various social policies. Now, the article about this in Evy magazine made some compelling points in response to Goldberg's threat. They noted that liberal ideology often, quote, forces its followers to wallow in feelings of helplessness and victimhood, as opposed to, quote, building resiliency against hardship which can be a crucial tool for combating anxiety and depression. White liberals in particular, who are often at the forefront of social justice movements that don't necessarily affect them directly, does that sound familiar? They may, may be susceptible to, quote, white guilt and savior narratives, which are, quote, pretty much as bad as any genuinely racist agenda, because it robs the very group they're trying to help of their own voice, unquote. You see what I'm saying? So liberalism truly is a mental disorder. I knew it intuitively, and now we have the science to support it. There was another article that came out recently in the Spectator.us saying, is liberalism really a mental illness getting right in the head? And uh, they go into it. And there is definitely a pathology on the left that explains their insanity, and their foaming at the mouth. And I'll let you read it yourself. It's too long for me to read it to you, but it's clearly... A fact that I was way ahead of my time and that these authoritarian monsters on the left are all nuts. So we're talking about liberalism being a mental disorder and I've given you scientific studies that prove that many of them are neurotic or psychotic, which explains their anti-American, their anti-survival mentality. It's, it's on and on. But how about the liberals who drive around in their own car with a mask on? How about liberals who can't quit the lockdowns? Emma Green of the Atlantic, a uh, liberal publication, wrote an article entitled The Liberals Who Can't Quit Lockdown. And here's what she says. Progressive communities have been home to some of the fiercest battles over COVID-19 policies. And some liberal policymakers have left scientific evidence behind. Many of you are going back to bars, restaurants, planning your summer wedding travel. But liberals aren't quite ready to let go of the restrictions and so to them she says wearing masks overestimating the disease's risks remains an expression of political identity and it says in surveys democrats express more worry about the pandemic than republicans do that's why some of us have called this a pandemic people who describe themselves as very liberal are the most anxious for example This spring, after the vaccine rollout had started, a third of the very liberal people were very concerned about becoming very, very ill from COVID-19, with smaller percentages of both liberals and moderates, according to a study conducted by the University of North Carolina political scientist Mark Hetherington. And 43 percent of very liberal respondents believed that getting the coronavirus would have a very bad effect on their life, compared with only a third of liberals and moderates. Now, during last year, when the pandemic was raging on and scientists and public health officials were trying to understand how the virus spreads, of course, extreme care was warranted. We all made sacrifices. But meanwhile, in conservative states, many people refused to wear masks or stay at home because we had skepticism about the severity of the disease and we didn't want to give up our freedoms to the government. But right now, progressives are locked in the past. Those who stress scientific evidence, science, 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 now are veering away from it. Many of these psychos on the left, called progressives, think that they're making a statement against Donald Trump. These are sick people. These are knee-jerk liberals, by the way. Now, here's a professor at UC San Francisco, Monica Gandhi, who describes herself as left of left. But she has alienated some of her ideological peers because she has advocated for policies such as open the schools, a timeline to end the mask mandate and gandhi said we went the other way in an extreme way against trump's politicization (laughs) some of the most liberal parts of the country are places where the pandemic hit especially hard how is that possible and hetherington found that the most liberal participants in his survey tended to be the most neurotic no question liberalism is a mental disorder Here's another article, an older one. Science says liberals, not conservatives, are psychotic. Danica fears from the New York Post a couple of years ago, and you can look into it yourself. Turns out liberals are the real authoritarians. No kidding. A new study says that liberals show more of psychotic behavior than conservatives. The American Journal of Political Science published a correction this year saying that the 2012 paper has an error and that liberal political beliefs, not conservative ones, are actually linked to psychotic behavior. And what are the traits? Tough-mindedness, risk-taking, sensation-seeking, impulsivity, and authoritarianism. Sounds like a conservative? No. Now this fake report, which laid blame to conservatives for these behaviors, has been cited 45 times, but the author of the study said he is not sure who to blame. He said, I don't know where it happened. All I know is it did happen. In other words, it's the liberals who are the psychos, not the conservatives. Like, we don't know that. Pay very close attention to who you believe and what you believe. Because the roller coaster is going to get a lot worse. I'm Michael Savage. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.